I have a word I believe in my heart. We're going to be pausing from our series. I think that we've been in for the last three weeks when Jesus is in our midst. And we're going to pick up a new conversation just for today called Paul's Fatherly Connection to Timothy. Uh, I think it's appropriate. Uh, whoa, we got some boomness in the voice. All right, we're working out those details. I think it's appropriate for today uh, to just take a pause from our regular broadcast and uh, tune in to what's going on. Uh, you know, today, a special day where we're celebrating our dads and um, the marks and the uh, just the, the, I mean, how many just have been blessed by great, super awesome dads? If you haven't, just raise your hand anyways. <laughs> that was a joke. You could laugh there. Um, but fathers are the best, aren't they? Uh, I'm currently raising a 13-year-old boy and a uh, little uh, newborn, 12, a three-month and like two-week-year-old. Two-week-year-old? No, two-month. A three-month-year-old. Year-old. Why do I want to put that year-old on it? It's not, he's not three years old. Anyways, but he's a uh, new addition to our family. We adopted him, uh, and, and I'll tell you, the uh, age gap between both Abram and Benjamin are <laughs> extremely uh, vast, and that really makes uh, their needs even uh, more tremendously separated. Like, uh, as a dad, one thing that I hope to do for both of my children as they grow older, uh, and by God's grace, of course, uh, is to instill certain godly qualities like in their lives, in their hearts, as they face a forever changing world that continues to drift further and further away from God. And I don't mean to be dramatic there. That's exactly the way I see it. And I want to make sure that in my two children, I instill certain things that will keep them uh, centered and grounded uh, and their feet planted firmly upon Jesus and his grace. Uh, now, fortunately for us, the Bible prepares um, its audience for all sorts of things, but for this very thing too. And I can't think of any other book in the Bible that exists uh, that is, is best suited to equip young people for challenges, uh, as I mentioned. And again, I'm speaking as a dad, uh, and, and that book is the book of Timothy. Um, a little bit of context of Timothy and the author are the man who's writing the letter, who is uh, Paul the Apostle. But, but Timothy is a, a, a young person at the time that Paul writes this letter, uh, and his age is unknown. We, we don't know his age. Uh, he might be, some scholars believe, like in his 20s, mid-20s, maybe even uh, no older than 15. It doesn't really know. Everybody's just left to speculate. Uh, but we do know he's young because Paul seems to indicate within the letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12 uh, that no one despise his youth. And so we, uh, once again, just lock right in. Timothy is a young person, right? In Paul's letter to Timothy, he speaks to Timothy as being a child in the faith of Paul. Like, and so immediately, right as the story, I believe it's in verse one of uh, 1 Timothy, uh, chapter one, Paul, all right out the gate, introduces himself as a, a father to Timothy. Now, he's not his biological dad, uh, you know, but it, it seems as though from the scripture that the fatherly role that Paul plays is strictly spiritual, meaning Paul's probably not going to father uh, Timothy regarding matters unrelated to his relationship with God and his role in the church. And so just a little backdrop of the kind of connection that these two individuals have, and we could spend a little bit more time getting into the nuances of that, but uh, for the sake of time, we're going to just press on. Uh, um, as we go and we kind of like 
understand more about these figures and, and, and specifically Timothy, he's kind of in this high pressure job. Like it's like, it's really intense, especially as a young person. I don't know how he would do what Paul has left him to do in the church of Ephesus. I mean, uh, for example, his, his role, just to start out, is to bring reform to the church in Ephesus through his leadership as a young person. Now, I, I could imagine uh, the trouble his age uh, and his role might have caused him, uh, especially amongst older and possibly more qualified men than himself. But nevertheless, this is Timothy's role. He is to bring reform into the church of Ephesus by the grace of God. If you would, just turn with me to 1 Timothy 1, 3 as we get a sense of his job description. Here's Paul. He says, when I left Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Golly. Uh, Timothy is in charge of stopping teachers from spreading heresy, especially, or essentially. And at the center of this discourse is uh, uh, misguided teachers who are drifting away from the teachings of Christ. And people, the people of God, are getting sucked up into their deceptions, and they're drifting away uh, as a result as well. And so here's young Timothy in the throes of the uh, controversy and all these things going on. His life is... Is, is meant to bring change in the church of Ephesus, which by the way is no small church at all. It's, it's a matter of fact, a, a huge church. And here's little Timothy. Okay, Paul. And I can imagine Timothy wants to escape. Like, I, I mean, if I'm Timothy, I'm like, how could I get the heck out of here? And Paul just pleads and urges him. He actually commands Timothy to stay. Again, in Paul's letters to Timothy, Paul charges uh, or to better be put it, he commands Timothy to both safeguard his love and commitment to godliness and the truth. Again, there seems to be a good number of people who uh, are being swept away and have done away with both of these things. But, 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 but Paul urges and charges Timothy to remain steadfast and faithfully committed to godliness and the truth. Here's in 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19. Here's Paul as he continues this letter. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. I love that. In accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. The word charge here uh, carries with it the feeling uh, like the same feeling that the word urge has in 1 Timothy 1.3. It's a military word. It's referring uh, to an order a commanding officer would have given to one of his soldiers. And so you have this kind of militant vibe going on in Paul's letter. But you also have this fatherly, tender vibe going on too, right? If you picked it up um, uh, in verse 18, it says, Timothy, my child, right? And so that carries Paul's fatherly love for Timothy. Uh, Paul, like any good father, is both serious but uh, loving. He's stern yet affectionate. He's clear but yet uh, compassionate with Timothy. If this isn't a great picture of God's heart towards us, I don't know what is. Like God, you know, in his love for us, is both stern but yet affectionate. He's clear but yet compassionate. He's fatherly but yet he's militant as well. 
And Paul beautifully portrays God's heart as well in this letter to Timothy. I think what I love more than Paul's fatherly demeanor is the way he commutes, communicates, commutes, is the way he communicates uh, the severity of the moment. Uh, if you didn't pick up on it in verse 19, Paul says, wage the good warfare, Timothy. All right. Uh, later in chapter six of first Timothy, Paul uses similar language again and urges Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. I love how Paul doesn't uh, conceal or hide the weightiness of the situation in the moment that Timothy's in. Right. Uh, you're in a battle, Timothy. Right. You got to wage a good war in this battle, Timothy. You can't be idle. You can't be complacent. You got to fight the good fight, Timothy. Love that, that he doesn't, I mean, if it's me and I'm writing to a spiritual son and I'm like, you know, in prison or something, you know, I don't know, hopefully I never go to prison, but hey, who knows? Uh, and I'm trying to encourage, you know, let's say, Will, Will, carry on in Cambridge, you know? And, and I know Cambridge is a bit hostile and bitter and caringish to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know? I'm going to sugarcoat that thing. I'm going to be like, man, it's a good work. These are great people. You want to give your life to that. But Paul, he minces no words. He's very clear. It's going to be a hard situation. I throw you in, Timothy. Right? You've got to wage a good warfare. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. These are, the, are not terms that we're used to hearing an awful lot in the church. We're not. And I'm not, I'm not doing that to throw shame on the church. We just don't hear language like this a lot. Like waging war sounds too aggressive, right? It's too militant. Uh, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, what, what, what is this? Too forceful, you know? But yet this is the very language that, that Paul uses to spur and to uh, 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 challenge and provoke Timothy to, to lay roots and to stay uh, uh, firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ, both godliness and the truth of Jesus. But, but these are the terms of which Timothy must live out as well. If he's going to survive this moment that Paul has thrown him in, he's going to have to live by these terms. If Timothy is going to stay in Ephesus, essentially, and call those, imagine this, potentially people who are much older than him, call them out for their false teaching and call them to repentance, that it's imperative he remains there with a fighter's mentality. And we're not just reading this through the lens of Timothy and his experience. We're seeing this through our own experience and the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. And the question is, do we see our faith in Christ, our preservation of both you know, truth and godliness as a means of survival, like, and, and, and are the means of its survival come on the back of a fighter's mentality, somebody who knows how to wage war and fight the good fight of faith. So we, we read this and receive it like God through Paul is speaking to us. See, it's, it's not enough that we live out our faith in Christ passive and, 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 and complacent and apathetic. 
Like, some of us wonder why we're such a victim to the enemy and we, we go from high to low and everything in between in regards of our motion. And one day we feel zealous for the Lord and the next we don't. Man, I'm telling you, the way to break through into more consistency is to maintain and develop in your heart and spirit a fighter's mentality. I'd like to submit that to you this morning that in order for us to remain faithful to Jesus and his mission and the truth. You see, Timothy's not just fighting for himself to be preserved and his own faith not to become shipwrecked. He is fighting people who are adamantly opposed to the truth. So it's not just, you know, most of us are just trying to fight for our own survival. Timothy's fighting for his survival and the survival and preservation of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that speaks to us too. How willing are we to do that in culture? To be salt in light? You know, how willing are we to look strange and kind of, you know, carnish? <laughs> one laugh. I know it's not a word, but, but you know what I mean? Like, how willing are we to, to stand up for what's right? This city needs a remnant of people who can stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ. It needs a light. I... Timothy had a job in front of him, and it was going to be a battle. It wasn't going to be easy or comfortable or carefree, much of what we all kind of want, right? We want a, we want a comfortable, carefree, easy road. This is, this is not, this is, this, that kind of road doesn't exist for the believer. Man, you can try to preserve both of those realities and it will break you. It will end you. You're either going to give yourself to one and love it and follow it through and, and forget the other because no one can serve two masters. It's, it's hard to do that. It's a lot of work. He had to approach the job that Paul left him to do in Ephesus as a soldier approaches battle. So what are some of the ways we can develop a fighter's mentality? Well, fortunately for us, in the first chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul discloses this. And I'm just gonna rattle off a couple and then we'll break it down and then we'll end this and get on with celebrating our dads. Does that sound good? All right. So how do we develop a fighter's mentality. We reflect on what the Lord has spoken prophetically. That's first. And we'll get to why this is important. We reflect on what the Lord has spoken to us prophetically. Two, we cling to Christ. We cling to him. And we'll break that down. What does that, what does that mean, clinging to Christ? I'm, I'm sure most of us get what that means, but we'll, we'll try to bring uh, some definition to that. And, and then we keep our conscience clear, our clean. So reflecting on the Lord and what he has spoken prophetically. This is what Paul says. Here are my instructions for you, Timothy, based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battle. We're gonna break that down a little bit more, but that's what we're, that's what we're using as a text to, to say this is what we need to develop a fighter's mentality. We cling to Christ. Paul says, cling to your faith in Christ. We'll break that down. A lot of people around Paul, peers, colleagues, are abandoning Christ. 
And in the midst of that, Paul says, cling to Jesus, Timothy, and then keep your conscience clear. For some people, Paul says to Timothy, have deliberately violated their conscience, and as a result, their faith has become shipwrecked. Now, let's just read the text one more time, and then we'll break these three things down just a little bit, and we'll get out of here. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19. Timothy, my son. Just put your word in there. Daryl, my son. God speaking. Will, my son. Amy, my daughter. Lily, my daughter, of whom I am well pleased. Hear my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear. Some people have deliberately violated their conscience, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Now, reflect upon what the Lord uh, has spoken prophetically. There, There seems to exist someplace in Paul's mind a connection between the moment Timothy's in, at, at the time he writes this letter, and the prophetic words that Timothy had received prior to this occasion. It appears these words could have possibly prepared Timothy for a rather difficult season that now he's finding himself in the throes of. Now, I would imagine that everything leading up to this moment at one point had been confirmed previously by the prophetic. Some of us know how that works. Let me just give a little testimony and vouch for how this works. When I started this church, when I finally said yes to the call of pastoring Hilltop Church, that happened on the backs of hundreds upon hundreds. I'm, I'm talking a lot of prophetic words that prepared me to stand faithfully in the moment that I am in right now as a pastor. They, they, they helped me not to be blinded and just think, oh, it's easy pastoring. Like, I'm just going to do it. People are going to show up and God bless America. It's going to be awesome, you know. But the the words, the prophetic words that surrounded the moment that I'm in now uh, prepared me for the moment that I'm in now. And so this is what I believe. It's like, man, I, I don't be like me. Like, take a log, you know, take inventory if you can. If, if the prophet's in town and he says, you know, or she says, come up, I got a word for you. Write that puppy down. Get your cell phone out. Get it down so that you can reflect upon it in your moment when you most need it. And so we're to remind ourselves of the prophetic words that the Lord has spoken to us because often they're, they're, they're meant to prepare us uh, for uh, the, the calling of God and, and, the, and the call that he's placed on each and every one of our lives. And so remember that, right? Now, cling to your faith in Christ. This is an obvious for me. Like I said earlier, when everyone around Timothy was abandoning sound doctrine, right? They were just leaving the teachings of Christ and, 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 and the teachings of Paul. Uh, and, and, and Paul encourages Timothy to stay firm, right? To be steadfast and not waver from the truth. And I don't know about you, but when you're in a setting like that, like Timothy's in, sometimes it feels like the only a person you have is Christ. I don't know how many moments 
you know, in the seven or so years that we've been doing this church, how many times I've been just brought back to like, oh my, through situations and circumstances, some beautiful, some not so beautiful, how many times I've been brought back to just clinging to Christ when just a few of us are standing still. I got friends, you know, that I, I grew up with that I would have never imagined would leave the faith. I have friends of whom I prayed for years for the ending of abortion and for the Lord to revive the nation of America for, for years, 15, 20 years. They're no longer walking with the Lord. I, could, I would have never imagined it. But sometimes what often brings about somebody leaving the faith is they just, they forgot to in their moment of need. To cling to Christ. They thought it might have been better for them to cling to their pastor or another special somebody in their life. And, and unfortunately, that person let them down miserably. But I'm telling you, there is one who wants to stick closer to you than a friend. And his name is Jesus. And, and I don't know, he just has a solid track record of always getting it right. He's a friend who won't abandon you. He's a friend who won't lie to you. He's a friend who won't lead you astray. So cling to Christ, Timothy. Again, not only was Timothy to stay firm and not drift away from the teachings of Christ like his peers, he was also to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. And again, just to get a picture, it's one thing, and I think we got a good kind of idea of how this works in our own lives. When it comes down to actually preserving our faith and like making sure we're still walking that narrow way, you know, we're good at that. But we've kind of forgotten the art of like defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. We kind of just let every new doctrine just, you know, have its way and have its influence in the world. And I'm telling you guys, the day is going to come where the true redeem uh, uh, step up and call uh, 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 falsehoods falsehoods. And I'm telling you, that's not going to make you a lot of friends. So you can imagine the loneliness that Timothy feels. You feel alone today. Well, you're in good company. It's a lonely place to stand up for something when nobody else is doing it. Here it is. Stand firm. And the only way, mark my words, the only way you are going to stand firm when nobody else does is that you, you would cling to Christ. You would cling, hold on to him tightly. And that's just not like, oh, Jesus, I hold on to you. I, just, I know you're here. I can't but I know you're here. So and in a sense it is, but we, we depend and lean on the teachings of Jesus. We don't stray, we don't add, we don't take away. And when we do, we repent and get it right. So clinging to Jesus looks like knowing who Jesus is, knowing that he is the truth, the way and the life, and that through him is the only way to the Father. Lastly, keep your conscience clear. So I imagine this to be, I imagine what Paul's saying here is much like a trainer would say to a fighter, right? I imagine all of this. I mean, you got this battle militant theme going on, you know, you're like, got this picture of Rocky and who's that Mick? Hey, Rock, you know, maybe I'm dating myself. You're like, who's Mick? Uh, anyways, you should walk, watch Rocky. Great show. It's awesome. Mick, it's a little rough, a little rough. He likes to swear a lot. So be careful of that. But I imagine Paul to be saying, just like a fighter, 
is to keep his body in shape and fit for that fight, Timothy, you are to keep your conscience clear because it's gonna help you fight. Now, I totally relate to that. I can totally, you know, I can totally relate to to that, the idea of just having a clean conscience and how that prepares me as a pastor to fight the fights that I have to fight with a clear head, with a clear heart, with a clean conscience. Timothy wouldn't want his enemies, and I'm sure he has a lot of them, right, to attack his character. If Timothy doesn't conduct himself rightly, he'll give his haters a reason to attack him. And we see this in the body of Christ. Good men fall. And all their haters go to Facebook and Twitter. You know, well, you know, in hindsight, I don't really like it. But that person, that man of God, that woman of God gave them a place to do it. So Timothy say, Paul is saying to Timothy, don't give your enemy any room to, to pull down your character. And so I imagine if Timothy's not to allow his haters to pull down his character, then he has to be a man who walks uprightly. He has to have good conduct, right? Because, I mean, I know we're not into behavior modification, but I hear, I, let me just say, Jesus cares about your conduct, all right? Like, right, no, this, faith, this walk of faith is not about behavior modification. But if you think for one moment Jesus is gonna turn uh, uh, his eye to your bad conduct, not gonna happen, friend. He loves you too much. Listen, as a dad... If my son said something flippant to my wife, or even me, he's gonna know. Son, not here. I'm not just gonna turn away. Well, you know, he's 13. I love him, so just let, just let him be, just let him be. No, I'm gonna step in and lovingly say, as for me in this house, you're not allowed to do that. And if you do that again, I'm gonna give you a backhand. I know, I know. I'm not really gonna hit him, but. I thought that sounded good. But anyways, God cares about our conduct. Hear me. God cares about our conduct. And the only way that we can have a clean conscience and and fight the battles that we need to fight, clear-headed and confident, is that we need to put to death besitting sins that so derail our confidence. So, so Paul's saying, you know, you have good conscience, man. And in order to do that, you're going to have to have good conduct, T- Timothy. You can't give people a reason to bring down your name. So, so Timothy is to keep his conscience clear from free, I'm sorry, free from guilt. Uh, because a clean conscience means a good character. Uh, and people can't attack, from what I understand, good character, right? And so these are the three kind of signature things, the key things that we do as we look to develop a fighter's mentality. And listen, listen, the church needs a bit more grit. It needs more of a a willingness and a determination to not just lay down, you know, uh, at our enemy's feet, but to stand up and stand firm in his face and, and fight back to, to, to wage war. You know, 
my hopes uh, for my biological and adopted sons is that they would have a fighter's mentality. So far, so good. I'm not sure about Benjamin. It's yet to be determined. Um, but I am positive that my son Abram is a fighter. And I, I like to think that has to do a little bit with me and his mom, you know. And I imagine the way that Benjamin sleeps or doesn't, doesn't like to sleep all the time and this determination to want to stay up, he's going to be a fighter too. And you know what? There's something about me that doesn't like that, but there's another part of me that loves that. Loves that. And so, in closing, I, I, I think our Heavenly Father today, you know, desires for us all to have a fighter's mentality. I believe it's his hope as well, right? And of course, we know it is, right? Because Paul, who is being inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to Timothy, says so. He puts God's words to page. <laughs> we read them, we take them in, and then we move under the grace and the Spirit of God, fighting our foes, waging that good warfare. You know, you may have been told to, well, I won't go there. It's not going to be good. That's going to end not nicely. Let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for this time. I, I, I thank you for opening up the scriptures to us today, God. Uh, and Lord, right now, Lord, under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I, I ask God that the words that were um, inspired by the Spirit would stick, God, and, and the words that weren't to be removed, Lord, and forgotten. Father, we want what only the Spirit has spoken and wants to do. Nothing of what I want and what I want to see happen, Father. And so we ask the Spirit of God, come in this moment. And Lord, some of us may not have the kind of personality that likes to fight and put our dukes up and wage that good war, Lord, that Timothy's talking, that Paul's talking about, or fight that good fight of faith. But Lord, I ask God that you would do things that are contrary to our personalities, Lord. Lord, that, that those who feel like, I'm not a fighter, man, I'd just rather go to sleep. <laughs> the enemy don't do what he wants to do. Father, I pray that right now you would turn the tide in our hearts, Lord, that collectively as a body, Lord, we would, we would become the fighters, Lord, that, that you're calling us to become, Lord. That, Lord, we would remember, as Paul encouraged Timothy, we would remember the prophetic words spoken over us, Lord. Lord, that we would cling to Christ and that we would live with a clean, clear conscience in Jesus' name, Lord. Father, set us up and lead us into the battle, Lord, that you have for us in this city, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that our battle is not between flesh and blood, Lord. It's not between each other. It's not between other churches or other people. Father, teach us and show us where the real battle is and help us fight by your grace. Help us wage that war and not be overcome. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, church, I love you. And uh, I hope you were blessed by this word. As we bring things to a close, I um, just want to remind all of those who are new here today, we have the Info Center. If you're like, I want to get to know a little bit more about this church, this community, this community of faith, it's open. We have some people over there that want to meet with you and give you a gift. Uh, other than that, 
friends, have a great Father's Day. Man, if your dad's alive, if you're gonna be with him this evening, celebrate him, love him, cherish him. There's no one like our dads. Other than that, church, be blessed. We love you. Have a great rest of your day. Of course, have a great uh, rest of your week. And come back next Sunday. Amen. Love you. Be blessed.